we have four different say, 5G packs that we are you know, pre-integrating here with our software probes. It's uh, one is that how do we increase automation in, in operations? How do we make sure we can sort of monitor the 5G experience for all subscribers, but also you know, individually if, if needed? Uh, we also have insights packages around 5G leakage, which is basically what I said, where people maybe are uh, could get on 5G, but for some reason they are not on the 5G for different configuration settings. And the fourth package is around uh, how can we help the operators to increase the 5G adoption. Hi, and welcome to Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. Today, I have the privilege of being joined in the studio by two amazing subject matter experts from Ericsson Digital, and I'm going to introduce them individually and welcome to the show. Firstly, we have Folky Anger, who's the head of Solution Line Packet Core from Ericsson Digital. Folky, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thank you, Des. Great to be here. Indeed. And thanks for making time to catch up with us. And we have Thomas Scheinman. Now, Thomas is the head of Solution Line OSS, or Operational Support Systems. Thomas, great to have you on the show again. And it's uh, great to see you. I think last time we caught up was in uh, Barcelona at MWC. Thank you very much, Jess. Always a pleasure to, to discuss with you. Indeed. And thanks again for making time to catch up with us. So there's been some really exciting developments of late coming out of Ericsson and Ericsson Digital, and I really appreciate the opportunity to catch up with you both and, and delve into some of those. There's such an enormous amount of discussion going around the topic of 5G and all of the underpinning uh, fabric and network and infrastructure and systems that support. I love getting it directly from the subject matter experts like yourselves. Um, so I wonder if I could maybe start with you, Falky, to dive straight in here. There's a lot of uh, exciting cutting edge uh, work being done around 5G as a whole as it's being rolled out, and, and it's a no-brainer that's a game changer. And I know you're both heavily involved in a day-to-day basis in not just the overall role of 5G, but certainly some 5G launches of late, which we'll get into in a little bit detail further. But I wonder if we could maybe just start the conversation around who, you know, from your point of view, who's leading the way in this space currently in the race to get 5G deployed and 5G core in place? Uh, I wonder if we could just start at a 30,000-foot view and just get your view on it, Folky, around just the general position of the market and leadership in general of the 5G deployment and rollout. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's been really, I was a hectic for us here, supporting our customers to launch 5G networks. Uh, we started back in uh, Q4 2018 with the first launch in, in North America with Verizon, which launched a 5G network then uh, focusing on fixed wireless access um, applications. And, and since then, I mean, this has spread uh, all over the world and we are live now in four continents and have a total of 25 networks as of end of February. Uh, this year, 2020. So it's really exciting. And I believe also if you look at the the launches here, you can see from a consumer perspective that you see it's really great feedback in terms of the the user experience. Obviously, with the 5G radio, you have uh, uh, higher peak rates uh, and uh, lower latency, which benefit the customer. And the area that I'm responsible for in Ericsson, the core network, uh, we have then in these launch networks, the the 5G core with a version called non-standalone. And that's where you have, uh, let's say, LTE radio as, as an anchor uh, to the base station and the consumer. And we're using a 5G EPC core network. Right. So really great to have all these networks live. You, you mentioned 5G core, and, and for a lot of listeners, they, they hear a lot about this as a phrase. From Ericsson's point of view, from Ericsson Digital, when you talk about 5G core, I wonder if you can just elaborate a little further on when you talk about 5G core, what are the, the elements that make up a 5G core? If you look at the difference between, let's say, a 5G EPC network and a 5G core, is first of all, we have the service-based architecture. Uh, it's a standardized interfaces between the, the cloud network network functions in the core, um, and this is standardized in 3DPP. Uh, also, with the 5G core, we get additional 
possibilities in the core network. For instance, doing more advanced network slicing, where you can divide the network into smaller sort of say, pieces, for instance, to serve a certain enterprise. And in case you have a high load in the network slice, you can scale the slice or you can direct it to a, to a second slice in order to ensure the, the end user uh, experience. So you can say it's a service-based architecture, it's standardized in the 3DPP, and, and we have additional slicing capabilities. And obviously as well, for the 5D core, that's really the where you have the end-to-end -end 5G, the radio plus the core. You can right. say from a core perspective, the 5G PC is like a stepping stone into 5G core. When we think about 5G as, as a technology and as a standard, we hear a lot about it sort of being not just another G, which we'll get into in a minute. When I hear you talking about 5G core there, it's like there's a significant difference between the software-defined infrastructure and software-defined networking capabilities that sort of a cloud form telco of today versus the transition from 3 to 4G and 4G onwards. Because I think in 3G, we were you know, focused on making voice and getting some SMS. And in 4G, we were able to do a bit of streaming and the data rates are a little bit higher, but you know, we're still listening to low fidelity music and, and some video and other multimedia and apps. But 5G to me seems, you know, particularly at the 5G core level, that it's a completely different ecosystem. And, and, and in many ways, it's almost easy to take the phone, the voice connectivity out of it and think about all the other elements. Is this something you're seeing when you talk to people around the, the world, whether it's enterprise consumers or in your case, more often not the service providers, that they're having to change their view of what it means to be to another G and instead of just treating it like an upgrade, it's a complete pivot and transition to dealing with what 5G actually means going forward and the capability versus just another network upgrade? Yes, I mean, it's uh, given the possibilities we have with 5G Core. For instance, we have more possibilities to expose certain capabilities for maybe, uh, you know, enterprises that want to benefit from the 5G Core uh, capabilities. Uh, we have, like I mentioned a bit earlier, then the, the more advanced slicing kind of support in the 5G Core. So definitely, this is much more than just, you know, providing a even better mobile broadband or data experience for consumer. We view it as a way how we can uh, help our customers, the service providers, reach uh, different kind of enterprise segments, may it be to provide more smart manufacturing. Mm. Uh, for instance, example inside uh, Ericsson, where we produce our own base stations in, in a smart factory in the US, uh, where we are using uh, wireless technology, um, mo mobile technology, in order then to connect the different parts of the factory and and get the, the productivity up. So yes, this is definitely something beyond mobile broadband consumer that mm. we can do. And underpinning all of that, I imagine there's a lot of interest in some of the, the sort of, I guess, the new, new and emerging challenges around enterprise and business and carriers in general, particularly security and data analysis. And from a security point of view, I guess 5G's got this baked in from the DNA level. And from a data analytics point of view, you're, you're able to collect a lot more data from basic connectivity and performance all the way through to types of services that probably impact the user experience greatly. I wonder if you could just maybe talk briefly about some of the additional functionality that comes with 5G around the security and, and how that's being addressed. You have between, for instance, the, the mobile core network functions, it is encrypted interfaces uh, as one example to make it more secure. Uh, and obviously, from an Ericsson development perspective, uh, it's uh, even more important for us now to provide secure um, solutions to our customers. You can think yourself if you have it for very critical kind of, kind of information, may it be sometime in the future, remote surgery, et cetera, then you really need to ensure that you have a secure and reliable uh, network. And I'd love to dive into the analytics a bit more, but when, when you think about analytics from a high-level point of view, I wonder if you can just give us a very brief uh, view of kind of a sense of, of what's possible at a high level. When you think about analytics and we're collecting data with the right controls and permissions and access, 
this must have a significant benefit in the ability to, to monitor the infrastructure, the network and the system to so then ensure a quality service for the consumer, which means that, you know, anything from less dropouts, I guess, to better quality data and transfer and, and apps running over that. This to me seems, you know, when you think about the analytics that comes from the types of data and, and so forth and monitoring can be done in 5G, another game changer from the user experience point of view. Is that is that the case? Yeah, I, I can step in there. So, yes, yeah. uh, correct. I think yeah, just a huge amount of sort of data increase and that a new number of type of, um, you know, key performance indicators that you need to sort of check. Uh, 5G is, of course, a lot about, you know, uh, better latency uh, or less latency and the uh, high speeds, but also now, you know, new type of signaling behaviors, new type of devices coming in. So of course, the world is getting more and more complex for the, for the service providers to, to sort of make sure that the end users have the great experience that, that they expect. So of course, if uh, the end users are maybe paying a little bit extra for getting a 5G subscription, of course, they, they really expect the service to be superb. So I think uh, what we can do here from from Ericsson is, of course, to whatever we can sort of pre-build in terms of insights to make sure that if anything, uh, God forbid, goes wrong in the network or with the service. We we know what to do and we we can help the service providers to fix it quickly. And also, I think the other piece we we get from our customers is that 5G is new. Um, you know, in the packet core, uh, you know, also in the radio and the you know, the, the the terminals, they are new. So of course, there is a new type of the behavior, a new new many new nodes, many new interfaces, new new behaviors. So uh, they need all the help they can get to better understand you know how how they can deliver a superb uh, 5G experience. Mm, indeed, it reminds me of that famous line that you uh, can't manage something you don't monitor. When you think about the whole challenge of data analytics inside the network, I wonder if you can just give us a little insight into kind of what that means in your world. Because when I look at where you've come from and you've effectively developed your own, well, you've you've built your own platform with the likes of OpenStack for the cloud capability and all the operational systems in there from orchestration and automation all the way through to from BSS with onboarding to OSS from the operational management side of the infrastructure. Data analytics seems to go all the way from one end to the other, as they say, end to end. Mm. How do you visualize that when you sort of describe where data analytics fits into the network itself and, and where the key value props are? I think the, the way we in Ericsson have done it, of course, we, we, we provide analytics within each domain, and the domain can be radio, it can be core, it can be IMS, et cetera. But the value, of course, is when you start to combine and correlate across different domains and looking at the end user experience. So... A lot of the experience, uh, for example, when when we talk like this, uh, could actually rely on the application inside the device. So, of course, we need to also capture device-related information where, like codecs and try to understand if it's 4G or 5G or 3G-related issues. Are there any specific vendor-related issues? Um, are there specific uh, service-related issues? So it's all about gathering the right type of data, not, not as much data as possible, but you know the smart type of data, make sure that we can correlate that across and really figure out what are the service impacting um, you know, incidents that might impact on the 5G experience for an end user. So we are really taking the top-down approach to, to look at it from an end user perspective rather than doing a lot of you know, just pure network data analytics. Um, Partly do that as well, but uh, we focus, uh, you know, picking up the right type of network data that uh, we know are sort of um, crucial for the 5G experience for the, for the end user. Yeah, it reminds me of that uh, famous phrase of working smarter, not harder, right? I remember going to one of the uh, uh, user forums in New York recently, and I think from memory there was something in the order of like 61 carriers that, that attended her uh, invitation from you. And one of the things that really came out of that for me was that people were interested in this very thing. They, they realized they were going to have like a Cambrian explosion of connectivity and complexity, and they were very interested in getting some sort of sense of how they were going to become a smarter business. 
I imagine that's been something of high demand for you now, where it's like we don't want to just become bigger and messier and noisier. We, we want to get much smarter about how we deal with everything from the onboarding of customers through to the managing of services to potentially retiring things or, or, or you know, whatever the case may be, upgrades. Is, is that some, like a message that's conveyed through the industry now where people are talking to you about how do we, how do we implement intelligence into this space to become smarter as opposed to just keep banging things with hammers? For sure. I think a big trend for us right now, of course, is we produce a lot of insights uh, to help the operators, of course, you know, be, be smarter in their operations to fix problems uh, quicker, you know, help them save uh, OPEX. But at the same time, there's also potential now that, uh, you know, we can help them with new type of insights, how we actually, you know, increase adoption of 5G. Um, you know, there might be a lot of people in 5G areas, but for some reason they are still connected to 4G because they haven't switched on their sort of a 5G capability inside the device. So it's also about, uh, you know, presenting insights to the we have four different so 5G packs that we are you know, pre-integrating here with our software probes. It's uh, One is that how do we increase automation in, in operations? How do we make sure we can sort of monitor the 5G experience for all subscribers, but also you know, individually if, if needed? Uh, we also have insights packages around 5G leakage, which is basically what I said, where people maybe are... Uh, could get on 5G, but for some reason they are not on the 5G for different configuration settings. And the fourth package is around uh, how can we help the operators to increase the 5G adoption? You know, if we build out a base station in a certain area or if we sort of, um, yeah, we, we can basically help the operator to adopt 5G better. So those are the four 5G sort of uh, areas there. And of course, we are also uh, having a lot of AI and machine learning on those type of insights. So it's not just manually built rules, but uh, uh, yeah, to go back to your question, I think uh, human beings can no longer sort of see through all the sort of uh, millions and millions of different events. So, of course, we need to take help from a smart machine learning type of algorithms to, to guide the, the operations in, in the operators. You can also say, Thomas, we do it on different levels. But, I mean, you have sort of say the end-to-end yeah. uh, view of uh, what's going on in the network. If we zoom down to, to the packet core, we have mis- machine learning related to, for instance, how you page people, basically how, how you reach people, right? Well, that's kind of an interesting way you can learn from movements of devices basically in the network and then really reduce the signaling, which means less load in the network and more than useful capacity for, let's say, user data instead of just signaling. Uh, I think that's kind of good examples how you can combine it having more domain-specific machine learning and then you, we apply also the, the Ericsson Expert Analytics on top Correct. to get an end-to-end view. I think this is, of course, a bit the uniqueness that we have and we're both a network vendor and an OSS vendor, so we can combine. And the, the, the lower down, you can, of course, apply machine learning and sort of a more real time into the radio nodes or into the packet core nodes the better. But then, of course, there are some other type of use cases that can cut across end to end. And you've you got an unfair advantage, and you've got to the likes of uh, LNF Ersman uh, heading up the AI and research across the organization that can bring a whole bunch of research and development and models to this as well. Because You've got decades and decades of, of information and knowledge and models to build on. I think it's a very exciting thing. And I, I, I like your comment there with regard to the further down the stack you can get, the better you can manage this. When we think, yeah. one quick question around the uh, user experience piece. I think a lot of time people think about user experience from an end user with a handset. Is it the case that you're also looking at it from an end user point of view from an enterprise or so whether I'm getting fixed wireless access or some other inbuilding or outbuilding or whatever? Is it the case that you're also looking at, at sort of end user experience from the enterprise and corporate space at this stage? Or are we still really at the consumer layer as far as handsets and mobile devices go? No, I think uh, the operators are more and more trying to sort of differentiate in their offerings towards enterprises. And uh, technically speaking, it's relatively easy as long as you can just uh, link uh, 
which type of EMC ranges are for a specific enterprise. You know, we can then group and sort of present to the sort of enterprise owners within the operator to say that this is a company X overall experience. This is their overall uh, 5G adoption. This is their overall uh, you know, service usage, et cetera. So we can provide, you know, very good insights for, for you know, the service providers. And I think this will, it hasn't really taken off that much, I believe. But I think uh, with 5G, with the, all the new type of services that will sort of be enabled, I think this is something that uh, will boost um, in the next year or two here. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a big believer that fixed wireless is going to be a huge boon because it's so easy to to get to the point where someone can self-service with with a BSS interface and say, I want to sign up, I want to take my FPOS terminal or something into my small to medium-sized business or whatever the case might be, and, and they get shipped a device that becomes an endpoint that they can connect to, whether it's a, a Wi-Fi access point with a 5G uh, uh, SIM in it. I, I think this is going to be an exciting space where you can get this. I, one question I also had was, you've had some really exciting news coming out of Ericsson recently around a range of things, a whole bunch of exciting launches, um, and in particular strengthening what I think is one of the most innovative portfolios around artificial intelligence inside the, the 5G core uh, and, and software probes. And, and I know there's going to be a lot of interest in the whole topic of, of what software probes actually pertains. Uh, Folky, I wonder if you could maybe just talk briefly about where that fits into the space uh, as far as the 5G core goes, and we can then talk about kind of the, the cloud network layer of, of this world. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the 5D core and, and the cloud native functions in the 5D core, uh, they are, you know, of course, connected with each other through encrypted interfaces. So what we now have launched is that we have built in probe capabilities inside our cloud native uh, network functions. And that means that you don't need to have a physical probe to understand what's going on uh, over an interface. So it's built in into these nodes. and. This, together with the possibilities then that we have the Ericsson Expert Analytics, we, we do then send this kind of information from these built-in software probes uh, up to the Ericsson Expert Analytics. And then we can combine that information with other information from the total mobile network and then help our, our service providers then to basically optimize and make the best uh, user experience possible in the network. Right. So I think this is really exciting because if you look at the traditional network, you have maybe 80-90% of the service providers, they have physical probes where you need to maintain and, and you, of course, need to do some investment into these ones. And now you have it built in into the software in the 5D core, which we believe is great. And I imagine this is the natural evolution that there was a necessity uh, in that the transition from physical infrastructure, people running around and plugging in the likes of RJ11s in the wall and RJ45s at switches and routers to now everything's software-defined, that we're at yeah. the point now where the intelligence, whether it's you know software probes or fault-finding of some form, it must be that you're now having to come up with this type of innovative technology to leverage artificial intelligence, particularly machine learning, to go and find those faults. But also then, I imagine, in the context of software probes, to go up and down the stack and find out whether it's you know a performance issue because of you know too many people watching Netflix or just you know not enough infrastructure. Whereas the industry, as far as as far as the topic of of the five G core infrastructure from a software defined point of view. What's the general awareness of, of kind of the need and necessity and the value that software probes would bring as far as the carriers go? Are they aware and understand the value of it, or are they still really just needing to, to spend some time to invest in understanding the value in this? Nice. If we look at the requests for, for information from us on 5D Core, software probes is seen as almost like a mandatory requirement that operators want to have. Yeah. And they see the value here by having this kind of built-in capabilities instead of having physical uh, probes outside. So definitely uh, service providers are aware. Then it's of course also a, a spread. Uh, how far are service providers in terms of going uh, 5D core, right? 
Um, we have, as I, as I started with, a, a number of carriers already live, some 25 today with, with the 5D EPC, and we expect a number go live during this year for 5D core. Uh, and then we can then add the capability with these software probes. This is probably one of your fundamental challenges, isn't it? That as you said, like, there's, you know, as they're rolling out 5G capabilities, it's not a case of just switching from 4 to 5G. It's an overlay in some cases, it's new infrastructure in other cases, it's an upgrade in some. And I think this is one of the misnomers that people have in their minds. It's like all of a sudden someone's going to to magically click their fingers and, and uh, it's going to be 5G everywhere. But it, it didn't happen when we went 3 to 4G or even 2 to 3G with, with radio to digital. I see this as being a multi-year thing. So I imagine that the ability to apply software probes to find faults and find performance issues is going to become such a critical element as people do the integration overlays because 5g is not going to just happen overnight is it no it i mean it would take some time before we have yeah. let's say having a carrier in the world up on 5d and 5d core i believe though that if you take an ericsson perspective what we have developed in terms of our packet core offering we actually have a dual mode core so you, you can handle both let's say the legacy uh, call it uh, LT, yeah. 4G, as well as 5D, and then adding also the 5D core uh, possibilities. And I believe that's quite powerful if you are in a position to, okay, where do I want to take my core network the coming five years? Mm-hmm. I can then take that investment, and uh, initially I would probably handle most, mostly 4G LT devices, but over time the, the penetration of, uh, of 5G devices will, of course, increase. And then I have a core network that's flexible, so I can gradually maybe decrease my 4D capacity and then increase the 5D in the core. Dual node 5D core. Right. Yeah, and I think dual node is going to be the savior of the day because uh, I think a lot of people have this perception it's just going to switch overnight or I get a new 5G phone, it's going to work everywhere. And we forget that we still fall back from 4 to 3G if I go out to the country areas or rural areas in Australia. My 5G phone switches from 4 down to 3G and I still get a voice call. Thomas, I'm I'm interested in one of the other announcements that came around um, Ericsson's uh, Expert Analytics or EEA as they call it. And, and I'd like to sort of talk in, in a bit more detail about what that brings to the table, but maybe just for listeners first, could you maybe introduce what Ericsson Expert Analytics is, and then we can sort of talk about where it fits into the world. Yes. No, so it's, um, you know, it's been around for four years. We have some 50 customers on the platform, um, you know, for different type of use cases. Some have sort of gone all in and using it sort of across their operations, uh, customer care, marketing, uh, you know, engineering teams, because it's a multi-organizational type solution um, so it's, it's picking up data from from the network everything from uh, the devices and terminals to to radio and the, to the core to the ims and it's specifically focused for uh, analytics and algorithms to check the end user experience in order to sort of maybe improve the you know the planning of the network and the uh, you know, improve the troubleshooting if the customer experience is, is uh, going wrong. Um, improving maybe understanding of a uh, type of customers that are using a certain type of device or a certain type of uh, service. Uh, so it's can they support marketing uptake, etc. So it's a big data solution, uh, which is very telco specific. So for example, we have built in more than 500 insights into the platform. So with different type of machine learning models and sort of, uh, you know, dynamic rules that can trigger and uh, sort of present the root cause analysis automatically and also the next best actions for for the operator so it's a very tailor-made uh, telco analytics suite that is multi-vendor and uh, i think coming back to the topic of today here the software probes and what, what we have done with the, our ericsson sort of uh, packet core here. normally when we have deployed this expert analytics solution there is also a plethora of uh, different powder most operators have invested in different probing solutions uh, for the last 10, 20 years. So of course, one of the biggest challenges 
challenge is now is that, okay, what should they do with a legacy install base? Because of course, now vendors like Ericsson, we are coming out with sort of, why should you need an extra sort of a hardware box? And uh, can't we sort of build in into software and probe it from within the nodes itself? So of course, this is uh, very much demanded for, from the operators because they, it's, it saves a lot of TCO. But uh, at the same time, there's also a need for, of course, multi-vendor capabilities. So uh, I think for the customers that uh, have the Ericsson Packet Core, of course, they can use the, the data upwards to whatever system. I think the benefit with, with uh, having the expert analytics on top is that we have smartly picked up what type of data we should actually exactly take. Um, we have also done the pre-verification, so it's easier to sort of install and uh, lifecycle manage. So it's a pre-integrated type of uh, solution. Um, and there's also all, already made sort of uh, insights that comes out of the box when they have um, implemented this. But uh, again, it's, it's a multi-vendor type of solution. The expert analytics can sit on top of whatever, uh, you know, networks out there. But uh, the value, of course, by having Ericsson Network and Ericsson OSS solutions is, of course, that it's pre-integrated and pre-tested. Indeed. In many ways, I look at it from the point of view, I remember when I've been keeping across this, some of the latest announcements, I looked at it as almost like a single pane of glass, a single source of truth that you've got this capability of pre-built models and pre-built analytics in it, but also that uh, people from different parts of the business, whether it's sales and marketing, advertising, communication, customers, all the way through to network performance and whatever, it seemed to me, and I'd love you to tell me if this is right, that you've got this operational piece on a day-to-day -day basis where you're doing analytics on what's happening right now versus uh, historical and predictive where you can kind of look at what happened and why versus where is it going. Are you seeing this as a platform now where sort of people can bring their various data sources either from the Ericsson infrastructure that you provide and the cloud environments or the third-party data and use that as a single plane of glass, single source of truth to sort of do that combination of historical, current and predictive analytics? Yes, I think most operators today, of course, you know, want to have more and more data gathered in one place. Um, there's a lot of big data initiatives on the operator side. So in, in most of our implementations, what they do is that they let us be the sort of uh, the, the sort of network data correlator machinery. Uh, since we have done a lot of pre-built insights, then some of the operators, you know, tend to use all our different applications on top or they already have some applications. We can stream our data to their existing customer care application or actually send it back to their big data lake so they can use it for marketing campaigns. So what we see is that there's a lack of having a correlated information source across radio, packet core, IMS, multi-vendor. And I think that is what we provide. And of course, um, it's all about time to market. So if we now are pre-integrated with our own packet core, and you can just switch it on in a software that we get data up, then, then it's, uh, it's bringing value to the operators very, very quickly, uh, rather than having sort of a complex multi-vendor integration project for six or 12 months or something. I'm interested in some of the use cases there. I mean, you, you mentioned that you've got a bunch of pre-built, uh, hundreds of pre-built uh, tools and models and so forth. And I imagine it's almost like an app store where third parties, either the, the customer themselves or third parties could eventually build pieces that could load into this. But what for, for listeners who are sort of, thinking about this and just trying to visualize it, what are some of the immediate use cases that people are using this for and applying it to? I can maybe take an example. Um, so for, for the operations team and the troubleshooting team, of course, the, the use cases we provide is, uh, you know, giving a root cause analysis on the fly. So we can see that, okay, how many subscribers have had uh, problems with uh, watching YouTube or Facebook? And then we can group that type of uh, you know incidents into okay how many are re related to a specific type of device in the network or a specific type of uh, location that seem to have a problem in the network uh, so 
it, it automatically is helping and giving insights of what are the big ticket items for the oper- operations people to sort of go and fix. And we also then, you know, have a built-in library of what what are the recommended recommended actions. Is it a restart? Is it a configuration change of of a device, etc. So um, that that's one key use case for operations people that we bring the data together, you know, give them a fast root cause analysis and then recommend the best action. Another use case, which is very popular is of course, uh, can we expose this data up to, for example, the customer care people, the, the support people where end users are calling in and they're giving the sort of operators consent that, okay, can you help, please help me fix my problem. I seem to have a lot of you know, bad, bad quality in, in my home, you know, then with their consent, the customer care agent can actually then look up and say, okay, why do you, you know, maybe you haven't switched on your 5G enabled, uh, you know, toggle in the phone, uh, even if you have 5G at home, et cetera. So it's, it's also for the customer care people to sort of help the end users uh, better use their service or you know, understand if it's a specific location or device related problem or, or if it's actually a sort of an operator problem uh, that they need to maybe expand more in the radio capacity or something. Uh, it sounds exciting. I, and I can see this as being more and more critical uh, in so many use cases now. I wonder if we could maybe just uh, briefly circle back to the software probes and how they relate to and work with uh, uh, Ericsson Expert Analytics because they're not only going fault finding and, and looking for various issues, but um, they must be collecting data and putting it into that platform as well. Yes. No. So as I said before, we we, we have our own physical probes. We've had that for a time, and there's uh, probably twenty plus different vendors out there with with different probes. So you know integrating with the sort of probe type of data that is something of course uh, we, we have done many times from from uh, expert analytics and we have different adapters i think uh, also in the packet core of course they have been uh, having you know event-based streaming output since you know more than 10 years so they, they are now they have built it into software i think it's also then like i said it's pre-integrated with expert analytics so the kpis that are needed to catch this sort of five experience are already sort of pre-integrated and validated and again, I think it's a massive TCO gain for, for the operators that, you know, instead of sort of buying, uh, you know, hardware, uh, they can turn on a software feature in, inside the network. And by the way, if they then want analytics solution on top from Ericsson, it's pre-integrated, so it's fast to sort of, uh, you know, get value from. Oh, indeed. And I can imagine uh, the transition from hardware to software, if you've got a new feature or, or a bug fix or whatever the case may be, or a new data format or some some record format, you can adjust that and just deploy a new update overnight. And it's available as opposed to having sent out tens of thousands of pieces of hardware. Falky, one of the things that strikes me here is there must be a huge positive customer reaction to all this. I mean, you've got some groundbreaking uh, showcasing uh, innovation across the entire portfolio. But when we think about this in particular with the analytics that comes from Ericsson Expert Analytics Platform and, and this broad view that it provides, uh, I'd love to get a sense of what your customers' reactions been to this whole thing in general so far? A very positive reaction. It's uh, something uh, I believe our customers are really uh, exciting to bring into their networks in order to have these built-in capabilities. Also, from a, let's say, I mean, imagine yourself, right? If you have 10,000 hardware units, physical probes out there, it's quite a lot of work just to maintain <laughs> and, and keep this working at yeah. top level. And now we got it built into software and uh, it's a little bit, I mean, the more we can do with software, obviously the better for our uh, customers. Indeed. And in fact, I feel like I could do a whole show just on that whole topic with you. Um, and uh, I'm excited for kind of, you know, for the carriers and operators who, who are, whether they're existing customers or not, they're coming to, uh, I can imagine that it's such a eureka moment and an aha moment when their eyes finally open and going, oh, we, we can do this in software and we can get real-time analytics. 
It, uh, it must be a pretty exciting moment for them to kind of realize that all of a sudden you've already done all the hard work. You've built the infrastructure, you've built the platform, you've built the, everything from the cloud upwards in the core network, uh, as well as the intelligence in it. Because I think there's a lot of sunk cost already in the telco infrastructure that they're still trying to get an ROI on in many cases over potentially a decade or a decade and a half. For them to now just essentially, I imagine, buy it as a service, uh, it allows them to essentially start afresh and, and innovate and compete on par with some of the other players who are a little more agile. Uh, it must be the case that some of the longer running brands now are getting excited saying, well, we don't have to go and rebuild everything. We can get this from Ericsson off the shelf as it were as a pre-built thing. The, one of the things that uh, you mentioned earlier, and I, I guess this, um, this one last question on this whole space, when we think about analytics, um, privacy be, is, is a big topic. I'm sure it's a no-brainer. I wonder if you can just briefly touch on kind of the challenges that are, are brought about with, you know, we, we've seen this challenge around in cloud infrastructure, which shares services with various third parties in the enterprise space from putting mainly a mail server or a business intelligence system or a CRM. But when we're putting data into a telco environment, you've obviously thought this through, and I'm sure it's a question on people's lips, but when you've got this shared software-defined infrastructure and shared software-defined networking capability and the, the 5G uh, core network around that, give us a little insight into kind of the, the demarcation of some of the challenges around data security and privacy with this, because I mean, imagine it's built into your expert analytics platform but just to draw a picture for people's minds as to how those sort of demarcations and, and protections are in place, because there's some big challenges from Europe's GDPR to America and Australia and, and Asia Pacific and Middle East, all looking at this data protection and privacy challenge. What are some of the, the things that come up and, 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 and how are you addressing some of those just around the privacy challenge to start with? I think uh, security and privacy is, of course, a topic that is, you know, really, really sort of important for Ericsson. And it's been, of course, important for many, many years. But I, I would say that the importance is just growing. I think it almost deserves a you know, separate podcast to talk about, you know, what, what we're doing in security. But I think um, touching a bit on the sort of uh, solutions we have in Ericsson, where we sort of, of course, are provisioning subscriber data or we are, uh, you know, having a billing solutions where we have subscriber data. We, we of course, build our software sort of, uh, so, so we comply to sort of GDPR type of laws out there in the world that are, you know, different in different markets. But so that's one thing to make sure that, you know, you can delete the subscriber if they want to be deleted. They are sort of uh, all the data is encrypted. We have a uh, different type of mechanism. So we can sort of uh, scrap IMC numbers, uh, numbers so we don't even get it into the system. We can have it... Uh, actually get uh, the, the numbers into the system, but we, we take out the sort of private names. So we can use it for aggregation data, but we don't know who it is. And uh, to the level where we actually have uh, consent systems. So uh, like I said, if a customer calls into the customer care and asks for support and they give consent that, okay, it's okay that you go check uh, the type of settings I have in my phone or whatever. So we, we have security and privacy I would say features built in to, to different levels of our products. And I think uh, what's interesting here, of course, in the 5G packet core is that, you know, uh, it's, it's coming from the standard. So I think it's getting much more and, um, you know, much more secure. And I think it's that's another, I guess, value with, with, uh, with our launch here that, you know, the software probes and the expert analytics, uh, it's, it's, you know, embedded. Uh, it's, it's not sitting on any... You know, encrypted type of interfaces. It's an embedded, pre-integrated solution. So, um, and I think it's important for people to understand that when they're tuning in and listening to this, that when you know Ericsson's got a long, proven history and 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 pedigree in this space around just protecting data and security. And I mean, if you read the latest version of the Ericsson Mobility Report, I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're onboarding something in the order of like a million new subscribers to the network per day worldwide. 
And you're only doing that if, you're, if you've got this capability baked into the DNA from day one, you've had to build it into it before you even deployed it. And I think it's important for people to know that because a lot of carriers may or may not have the relevant uh, cybersecurity and data protection capabilities themselves. Now it's almost a case of not that they don't have to, but they don't have to have the depth uh, that they might have had if they run standalone because they can, they can count on this being available for you. I wonder if we can just um, pivot to a slightly more futuristic view. Um, I'd love to sort of um, look at some of the things that are coming up. You've had some massive, massive exciting successes over the last year or so just around the 5G topic itself and some of the technology from the cloud platform all the way up to OSS and BSS. And, and of late, these new massive leaps in technology and high demand for 5G. I wonder if we could just look at from 2020 onwards, the next couple of years, just in particularly in terms of the 5G core. And maybe, Folky, I'll start with you. I wonder if you could outline some of the exciting launches we should be expecting around the 5G core and so forth uh, over the next year or so and, and what they might mean to the, the industry as a whole. Yeah, if you look at the, maybe the coming, I would say, six to nine months, uh, I expect that we will see the first uh, 5G core standalone networks going live. Uh, we are very active working with service providers, for instance, in China and South Korea to make these launches uh, dur- during this year. And we know also there are devices, of course, coming uh, with the 5G core standalone support. Uh, so, th- so that's great. From an industry longer term, then I view it like, yes, we are building a fantastic uh, solution to continue to provide more and more data for consumers. And uh, that's, in my, in my view, a given to work with higher peak rates and also reduced latency in order to make the gaming experience, for instance, even better. In, in addition to that, we are giving our customers, the service providers, uh, in my view, a really exciting platform. If you look at the 5G core, uh, where you have possibilities to extract and expose certain information from, from network capability uh, in order to have really great uh, slicing optimization for, for instance, enterprise customers. Uh, we are building our products in a way using the cloud native technology so we can scale it down very much in order, for instance, to fit into more of an enterprise smart manufacturing kind of deployment uh, scenario uh, where, where I see that we have a very reliable network with extremely low latency so you can have uh, different kind of robots uh, communicating uh, over the, the mobile network locally in an enterprise and so on. It's a bit like, I mean, like a movie is almost like I see in front of me. We have more and more uh, automation and, and excitement in terms of uh, automation in, in factories or so automotive driving and so on. And 5G core is one part of that in order to support that kind of evolution. So this is something beyond just adding more data capabilities to consumers. Yeah, I think it's an exciting time to be alive. Uh, Thomas, I wonder if I can come back to you. Uh, we've talked a little bit about sort of the whole integrated solution piece. And I'd be very keen to get your thoughts on sort of the next, you know, just not just through 2020 and beyond, but, um, you know, I imagine there's an industry trend in general we're seeing now where people don't want to build everything themselves. They want to be able to get a pre-built proven solution. You've talked about that in a number of areas, particularly around some of the capabilities and Ericsson's expert analytics. Um, Where do you see that the industry trends taking us with regard to the demand of uh, pre-integrated solutions uh, where carriers and operators just want to get on and focus in their niche? They don't necessarily want to have to build anything that they don't have to. I think, uh, like you said, um, our customers, of course, they, you know, before maybe it was more, uh, you know, looking into these new type of technologies with um, machine learning and the big data. So I think uh, they have all realized that they, they need to have sort of uh, the time to value is, is very important. So they really value the, the pre-integration that we have done and that they can get access to sort of a pre-built insight. 
sometimes less is more. Uh, in the last 10 years, there's always been, okay, you know, real-time insights. But, you know, no, normally I take this uh, example that, you know, uh, you know, medium or even a big size operator can have millions and millions of different incidents in the network every day. And, of course, how do you prioritize of what to fix? Uh, if you apply smart algorithms and smart machine learning uh, cases here, you can maybe find a needle in the high stack, uh, haystack. So you can maybe go down from millions down to 10, 20 different type of uh, real outliers or, or anomalies that are not normal for, for down, uh, downtown Manhattan uh, dropped calls. Yes, it will happen. But um, you know what are the real anomalies that are sticking out? So that type of trend is, is continuing to sort of provide more high value type of insights uh, that uh, you know, sticks out from the sort of day-to-day -day type of operations to really understand, okay, how can we help them build you know, the, the right type of uh, you know, network coverage or you know, what type of device models they should bet on uh, in the marketing campaigns and these type of insights. So I think it's more going towards automate all the sort of basic type of uh, steps you can. So automate uh, you know, whatever you can. Uh, so we talked about this closed loop automation, you know, make sure that you have the experts in your teams in, in, in the operator side to focus on the sort of the, the tricky parts. And that's where I think uh, our type of solutions here come in that we then bring them type of insights that they should you know spend focus on where the robots cannot fix it <laughs> maybe yeah. can in the future but that's the bit the uh, the trend we're seeing that you know more of you know basic stuff are getting automated you know restarts of different nodes or upgrades and all the basic things are getting more and more automated which frees up time for the you know smart guys and girls out there to sort of uh, you know really think of uh, new things no, indeed. Uh, one last one, uh, uh, Folky. I wonder if you could just quickly wrap up for us with regard to the whole topic of partnerships. I know there's a lot of focus on enterprise offerings and, and certainly what comes beyond mobile brand. But uh, as a final question to you, I wonder, Folky, if you could maybe just give us a quick uh, summary on kind of the whole position around partnerships and, and what's happening in the enterprise space and where you see that going in the next year or so. If I look at what we do in Ericsson is that we are working through our, our operators our customers uh, and they then sell to to the enterprise so that's how we go to market model however in order for us to understand how enterprise thinks we have a lot of partnership with enterprises um, it may, may it be for instance how you run a mine how you run a, your, your manufacturing plant uh, car industry and so forth to understand okay how can 5d technologies help this kind of industries in order to be more productive and how they can automate further their sort of say activities and I believe that's important for us because in, in the past we have been so focused on, let's say, consumers, right? Uh, the normal uh, us using a bunch of data every month to look at streaming video. But in order to have this kind of capability in the network, we need to understand exactly what are the requirements from these kind of industries in order for them to move over from, for instance, maybe a wireline connection to a wireless connection. And I believe that's been very useful for us in order to understand how we we design our products, how we make them very secure in order to really take these kind of critical uh, tasks uh, where, where failure is not an option. Indeed. So I believe that's been a good exit. The future is going to be exciting in some of those spaces because I imagine, you know, things like autonomous cars and, and drones and other things, I imagine that, you know, enterprises are now looking at things in such a different way that they're coming at you with innovations that we haven't even imagined that are sort of George Jetson's uh, type era stuff that we thought was never going to happen, like flying cars, and now people are assuming things can be done over 5G that, that we probably didn't imagine. And I'm sure that will continue yeah. to be the case, right? Yeah. It's also so that we need to help, uh, you know, enterprises uh, to be successful, to make it easier for them. They, they don't know mobile te technology, really, right? So, so we need to be able to, for instance, have 
different kind of support systems that's uh, simple to understand what's going on and, and really guide them what actions to take in case something doesn't work properly, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's also a shift. I believe from an operator perspective, moving into this kind of technology, I see, I mean, it's a great value to, to work even more with, okay, how do we prepare uh, our, let's say, infrastructure to deploy cloud-native uh, network functions? How do we prepare our staff in order to have more quick turnaround on software upgrades, doing more continuous integration, continuous deployment of software? I believe here, operators also have an exciting journey ahead in order to be really prepared for the 5D core. Indeed. I, my mind boggles, and as uh, as one of you said, we could probably do a whole show on each of some of these core topics, but uh, I know we're coming up in the hour, but uh, Folky and, and Thomas, thank you so much for making time available to catch up with me. Congratulations on some of the amazing innovations that you're achieving now, and uh, I'm almost breathlessly excited about what's coming at us over the next year or so, just out of Ericsson alone, and, and what you're making possible with some of the new and innovative ways that carriers and operators can offer services that uh, it's kind of like, I almost can't wait for next year, but I don't want to do that because it'll age me quickly. But um, Folgi, Thomas, thank you so much for making time to catch up. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to catching up with you both in person real soon and maybe get you on camera. Thank you very much, Des. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, have a great day, and we'll chat to you again soon. And folks, thanks for tuning in. I'm Des Blanchard, your host. This is Conversations with Des, and we'll see you in the next show. Thanks again.